Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is real. Lots to talk about. A lot of good stuff going on with the Bravos, Eric. How you doing, man? I'm uh, pretty good. Yeah, dude, this bullpen has taken shape. You get guys off that IL, and all of a sudden, you realize how good this pen can be. And how about Michael Tonkin? What a story he is. You want you wondered if he was going to be one of those two or three week guys, and it's like, okay, he was a great story now. But he's getting better. Well, he has great stuff. You know, he's one yeah. for me. He's one of those guys. You're wondering why he hasn't succeeded earlier. Not if he's going to keep succeeding. You know, it's yeah. like if he keeps this yeah. up, he's going to keep point. getting out. It's the way he's throwing the ball. Yeah, he's not like throwing 88 up there and with yeah. a trick pitch or anything. Yeah, and he's not spraying the ball all over the place and just hoping the hitters swing. Like he knows what he's doing. Um, man. You forget how good, because we only had him for, you know, we we only got to see the Braves have him for a little over a month last year, but you forget how dominant Rysel Iglesias was. And they've been doing what they've been doing to start there off to without one of the best two or three closers in the league with Diaz out. This guy has pitched twice since he got back and has faced six batters and been perfect and thrown like 26 pitches, 20 strikeouts, something like that. I wrote it down, but he's just been phenomenal. See, I, I didn't realize until I watched him pitch on a day-in, day-out basis last year how good his control is. Yeah. You know, you see, you, you think closer and you think he's got like a wipeout pitch. But when you when you watch him pitch, he just hits spots. He dots up with really good stuff, almost like a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 28 pitches, 20 strikes. Let's face six batters in two innings. Got two strikeouts. He's not up there blowing everybody away, even though he goes hard. He's getting contacts, which makes him so efficient. So you can use him more. I mean, he has great stuff, but he makes pitches. And there's, I think there's, like you watch him his his first two outings, and and that feels like a closer when he comes in and just shuts down an inning. Um, There's guys that come in and, and do these closer roles, and teams have them that give the fans heart attacks. Right. You know, every they get through it. I remember Joe Borowski for the Indians used to throw all these sliders. It was like two guys on every inning, and then he'd get a pop-up and a strikeout and a line yeah. drive at somebody. And they just they give you a heart attack. But when there's a guy like Iglesias coming in, and it's just boom, 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 one, two, three, hitter after hitter after hitter. I mean, it, it just it changes the game, and it changes how the opposing team looks at that ninth inning. So then, it, then they're pressing earlier in the game. And yeah. that was that was something I learned from Mark DeRosa when when we had our three relievers back in uh, 10, 11, 12, me, Johnny, and Craig that were really locked in and, and having good outings. He said to me, he's like, you don't understand how much better you guys are making your starting pitchers mm-hmm. because we're pressing from the first inning on knowing that if we don't get a lead by the seventh, we're probably losing. And that's not toot my own horn. It's just it's a lesson right. that, that I learned. And, you know, that was more about Johnny and Craig just striking the world out and being unhittable. It was almost like I was their last shot. And if I could get through that, you know, my mindset was if I can just get the ball to these guys, it's a wrap. Um, 
That's a great but, point. People don't really think about that, how it changes those earlier innings because a team realizes we really got six innings to beat these yeah. guys to get a lead. Yeah. Because if we don't have a lead, it's over. Especially yeah. when you got an offense like the Braves have now. You could you can't just be tied. You have to have a lead. Yep. If the if the bullpen is really tough. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if these if this offense is within a run or two, they feel like they're gonna win the game. They're gonna score two or three runs in the last few innings. This team feels like that. Yeah. And so that that offensive mindset when you know, and I think men are going in that eighth, they'll get locked in. He's struggling that closer role for whatever reason. It might be yeah. a mental thing or, you know, who knows what's what caused some of those those tough outings for him. But he's been really good in that role the last few years. And you can kind of uh, mix and match a little more, you know, give him some some outings that match up better for him. And McHugh. Uh, and McHugh coming back. Looks great. The, the best thing about this pen is they have three or four guys down there that can go multiple and in yeah. extra innings yeah. like Tonkin did. Tonkin and McHugh can go to yeah. any time like that. So can Chavez. You know, that that for me was the outings that I was the most proud of. They're the most nerve-wracking, but those were the ones that were, you know, you come in at a tie game, extra innings, and shut it down twice and give your team a chance to win. Usually if you put up two zeros, you're winning that game. Yeah, McHugh, he's very easy to overlook or to just take for granted because he's another of those guys that doesn't throw 98. Yep. He's up there throwing 90, 92. You know, off speed. I mean, he's up there pitching. But this guy, and especially since now that he's healthy, he's had a little chance to get his legs back under him since he got off the IL. He's pitching in some big situations, and Snitz now is moving him back into those high leverage innings that he had last year. And he responds. I mean, he's always cool. He's been there so many times now. And yesterday you saw him fired up. That's about as fired up as I've seen him when he came off after a big strikeout. He came off, you know. Yep. Got out of a big situation that was crucial outs of the game. Him and Tonkin got some crucial outs, man. Yeah, they're, they're, the pen's looking pretty pretty stacked all of a sudden, getting him back and getting Iglesias back. McHugh on Wednesday against the Marlins in a win, pitched three scoreless innings with three hits, no walks. Sunday against the Orioles, he worked two crucial innings, came in in the sixth and pitched into the eighth. Two innings, no hits, one walk, and three strikeouts. I mean, that's five innings in, in two games over, what, five days. Yeah, and it's like you said with him, you know, it's the the Raider gun's a big deal to people. You know how, how much credit they're given, uh, just how sexy they think an outing is. But if they had a spin gun or a movement gun, and that was all we knew, you know, he'd be he'd be top of the league. Uh, McHugh would at least. Yeah, his spin rate's huge, man. Yeah, third time not, in his last I mean, four appearances that he's pitched at least two scoreless innings. Yeah. Well, he used to be a starter, so yeah. Those guys, you know, it's they're used to getting up, getting down. They know how to warm back up. And that was the thing I struggled with the most as a reliever was you only get those eight pitches and you probably just sat for 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. You get stiff. Right. I never felt the same that second time out. But starters get so many repetitions in that. And if they had success in that initially, it means they're built. They're they're capable of doing it in the first place. You know, my back would just stiffen up and I'd suck that second inning. Um. Michael Tonkin, just to, before we move on from him, I was looking at his stats, breaking them down a while ago. This dude, his last five appearances, he's pitched nine and a third scoreless innings, giving up two hits, two walks, six strikeouts, got an 071 opponent's average in those nine and a third innings, 240 opponent's OPS, stone 71% strikes in 99 pitches. For the year, 1.89 ERA, 0.579 whip in 19 innings. And no chance at an all-star game. <laughs> 15 strikeouts, three walks, eight hits allowed. 
No MLB reliever. I had to look at this like three times to make sure I wasn't missing somebody. No reliever has as low a whip as he does in as many or more innings as he pitched, 19 innings. None. No, he's been huge. Those guys, and that's, you know, I mean, it, it, that's such an important you you have your 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 setup man and your closer get all the glory, but having those guys McHugh and, and Tonkin that can pitch bottom nine on the road in a tie game, extra innings tie game, it, those you lose so many games in those situations if your bullpen's not deep and having two guys to go to, Chavez you can go to, um, they're going to win a lot of games with this pen this year, and those are the most deflating you know losses too, or, or when you blow late leads. Yeah, and it's allowing them to get to not have to go too deep if a starter starts to falter a little bit, and they got some young starters, and you know, especially when you're working a guy in there like a Dodd making a spot starter, Bryce Elder, and and he starts. Although Bryce is going deep now, man. Yeah, he's been tremendous. I mean, Elder has been. You talk about a guy that's answered every challenge they put in front of him. Last year, you know, he starts out sucked at early, sent him down AAA, came back and was a different guy in his five late starts. You know, and we kind of shrugged and said, okay, yeah, but they're five against the Nationals and the Marlins, all of them. This year, again, he's faced the Marlins a couple of times, but he's also faced some other people, and he's pitched well every time out. Yeah, it's crazy to think that he's pitching like this and he didn't make the team out of spring. I know. It's, it is crazy. And considering, yeah, Schuster and Dodd did. But, you know, he's one of those guys. It's easy to take for granted. Other guys got like five, six pitches. He doesn't throw real hard. And he was walking too many guys in camp, but he's not doing that now. And when he that's the only time that's the only thing that gets him in trouble. When he's not walking guys and he's challenging guys, he's uh or when he's he's always challenging guys, but when he's throwing strikes, yeah. This guy's effective. Um big weekend series. They lose the Braves lose the opener on Friday night against the Orioles. And it was one of those uncanny stats you're going, geez, that's got to change, man. It was the seventh straight home sellout loss that they had had. They they had sold out eight times at that point and lost seven in a row. And I'm going, that can't continue. So then they sold out Saturday and Sunday and won both those games against the Orioles. And they were impressive wins. He had a walk-off. Yeah. Pilar hits that two-run home run that gives them the in, in the eighth inning. And then yesterday, the big one, Michael Harris gets the, the walk-off double, which was great to see because, you know, he's been trying to get his legs back under him since he came off because he was off three and a half weeks on the IL. Since he came back, you know, he's got to get going. He's playing in a knee brace. And did he play any rehab games? He did. Not many, though. A couple. couple. A few. Um, he's playing in a knee brace, though, the kind that linemen wear. And he's got it under his, under his pants. It's really big. But uh, yesterday he stole a base and slid with it on. Said he didn't even think anything about it. And uh but to see him hit that line drive double opposite field to left center gap, that's more what we saw from him last year. Uh that was huge. I mean, the Braves, uh, that could have been a really deflating way to end that series and with an off day again today. And so to beat a and that Orioles team, man, they are absolutely for real. That's a good team. Good lineup, really mm-hmm. good bullpen. They got some nasty guys in that bullpen. Whoa. They remind me a lot of the Braves, you know, before yeah. they before they took off, especially how their their young guys aren't flustered by late inning drama, you know it's they, like they got better. They got a couple of guys in that bullpen late yesterday that were just blowing guys away. Uh, yeah. Voth, Austin Voth, and Cano. Mm-hmm. Is it Cano? And then Felix Batista comes in, and as Snit put it, the last couple of guys they used looked like edge rushers. I mean, they're big dudes <laughs> and they throw yeah. hard. Those guys are growing on trees in the game now. Just yeah. Big donkeys throwing 100 miles an hour. 
I was talking to Freddie, you know, because Freddie Gonzalez is still the bench coach for him. I said, finally, you're on a good team again, man. He goes, I know it was a long time. And I said, well, you guys suck long enough. You're going to accumulate some talent. And they did. But they've got it now. And that's a, that's a team that's well positioned. I said, now you just got to sign some of those guys long-term deals like Alex does over here. Yeah. And some of those guys you do not want to let get away. God, yeah, I wonder good. how much of that, you know, it's an ownership thing, obviously, too. But yeah, the Braves are just so lucky that everybody's on board with that. And the guys accept it. I mean, there's been a lot of money left on the table, but they've gotten a lot of security. So it's worked out. But, yeah, you know, it, there's a lot of factors besides just wanting to do it as a GM. I'm just looking at their lineup yesterday, man. They got they got Cedric Mullins at the top. That dude's a really good player. Santander's a good player. Mountcastle's good. Gunnar Henderson's good. Austin Hayes, Adam catcher. Frazier, Adam the Frazier, Mullen, Adam Frazier, and Mullins are both from here. The catcher is he's outstanding, man. He's and got he, a swing on him. Richmond, Richmond, mm-hmm. he is he's he's a player, man. So yeah, the O's were good. So that was a good that's a pretty big series win for the Braves to pull that one, finish that one, and beat that team twice uh, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, now you get an off day before the Red Sox come to town for two games. And you get an off day on the other side of that, too, which comes at a nice time because everybody can get a rest and uh, bullpen can be refreshed again before you go on the road trip to Toronto and Texas, which that's a pretty good road trip. Neither one of those teams, both those teams are pretty challenging. Toronto, especially at home, man, they can they can, they can hit some bombs up there. Um, one, one thing to kind of keep an eye on right now, we were kind of thrown for a loop yesterday when uh, TBA on Wednesday, when it should be Max Fried on his regular rest and Wednesday start against the Red Sox. I asked Snit about it after the game. Um, is that just to give Max extra rest or whatever? And Snit was so cryptic, so vague. He said, we're working through some things, so we should know more, more tomorrow. We said, is he hurt? And he said, no, uh, we're working through some things. I mean, he didn't. It didn't really rule out anything. So, But Max showed absolutely no signs or, or indication of being injured in his last start when he was a – very unmax-like outing, uh, and then yesterday he was like one of the first guys on the field to run and and be jumping and hugging uh, uh, Harris after that walk-off hit. So, yeah, you're not doing that if your hamstring pops back up. You're gonna be a little ginger out there. Yeah, so so we'll see. I don't, we haven't heard anything yet today. Uh, knowing our luck with the podcast, it'll come out right when we're yeah right, right when we finish this. But <laughs> but I don't know. Um, that's the only thing coming out of the out of the weekend that was a concern at all. Darno was activated today from the from the uh, IL. He's been out a month since getting that concussion. I was glad to see the Braves be careful with that because it's one of those things you have to be, especially with a guy that had three of them previously, and they could afford to do that. Both because, because Murphy is so good. I mean, the dude's yeah. been leading the league in OPS. It's ridiculous, and. uh now you get Darno back and you get another option at DH when he's not catching. Um, and Murphy can get some days off now. So that's a that's pretty big to get Darno back and to have to have not lost any ground Nothing. at all. Nothing. Was out. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking, is it's like Murphy's so good it didn't even phase the team. Yeah, and you got other guys at DH, but yeah, it's I pretty, can't believe it's already been a month. Yeah, it's pretty big. Darno was around the team the whole time, too. Yeah in the meetings every day with the pitchers, just like he normally is. So because his presence, I mean, we've talked about this before, but the Braves want him around even after he's done playing because he is such a smart guy and sets, offers so much in these meetings that even while he's out hurt, he's still giving them half of what he gives them is off the field. And he's yeah. still providing that even when he's not playing. So 
He's been tremendous for Murphy to make that transition to a new team and new league. Just tremendous. It's been, I mean, there's, it's not just all Murphy that's the reason he's been so good over here. He's gotten a lot of help from Sal Fasano, who's the best catching coach in baseball, and Darno, who knows all these guys and his staff. That's helped him a lot. You know, so much on his plate to deal with, to be able to go out and rake in addition to, you know, learning his own staff and learning the other pitchers and everything else. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to take on. I'm pretty surprised that he's done it so seamlessly. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Speaking of a lot to take on, it is a lot to take on, as Wash reminded me yesterday. I'm talking to Ron Washington before the game. After they announced that Arcia was being activated, all I could think about was our conversation about Chipper Jones. Because Arcia was activated yesterday. Dude, he was out less than four weeks with a micro fracture of the left wrist. Absolutely no rehab assignment. He had a cast on 10 days ago. And he was playing yesterday and played great. Made all the same plays. He usually makes it short. Had a couple of good swings. Had a hit. Yeah, I mean, hats off to him, man. But that was, even though they wouldn't they wouldn't say it, of course, they don't want to throw any, anybody under the bus. But he lobbied hard to come back without a rehab assignment. He said, I'm ready. Because he had some workouts, lab BP and all that, no problems. And he's like, why go down to Waste Bullets and AAA when – and it went without being said, but they had an urgent need at shortstop because Grissom has been kind of fumbling, and, and it's pressing. He's pressing now. It's mental now. Yeah. He's got balls that are clanging off his glove. He's making errant throws, which he never made before. And then Shoemaker's played one game in the big leagues, and he's just probably not ready yet. So they that's just – we've been reminded how big and how lucky the Braves have been to have Dansby there for the last you know several years. After you never even had to think game. about the position. Critical. Yeah, I think that you, you could even see it start to affect Vaughn's at bats. Uh, yeah, you know, me too. I've seen. Yeah, it's He's pressing. It's, it's so much pressure, though, especially when it becomes a thing. You know, I mean, when it's when it's getting talked about every single time, and each error, each time that he makes a a, a bad play or throws a ball away or, or flubs one, it's it's like it's harder and harder and harder to to let go of that last one and and just make the next play. You know, I mean, right. Especially when you know RC is coming back, and they called Shoemaker up. I mean, I can't. There's so much pressure on the kid. I don't. He reminds me a lot of Marcus Simeon, and I saw him go through his struggles. But there's a major difference that we weren't winning in 15 right. when Marcus had that job. We weren't trying to win a World Series. You know, I mean, we were hopeful, but in the grand scheme of things, his development was just as important as our season. You know, they they were banking on him to be their starting shortstop so they could weather the storm, but. 
you know, it's that's not the situation the Braves were in with Vaughn. And that's exactly what I got washed alone before the game yesterday. He was sitting in that smoking a cigarette, sitting in the dugout. And I got him alone to talk about this. And that's exactly what he said. He said, yeah, he really likes Gris. He said, I know it doesn't might not look like it, but he's made a lot of progress since the start of spring training, even. And uh, he said he's learning to play shortstop because he hadn't played it a whole lot, even in the minors. He's learning, but he's learning in the major leagues. Yeah. He's learning it for a first place team. Crowds of 40,000 people. And like you said, once you've made a few errors and people are noting it, I think then you're not just playing and not thinking about it. Then you're thinking about that ball's coming yeah. at you, and you're starting to think about these things. As it's happening. You're right. conscious as it's happening. You're not in the moment. You know, and you're you're almost – you're playing not to mess up. Right. And if you do that in the big leagues, you get eaten alive. And that's what Wash said is uh, is you got to remember this kid is young, man, because he's like – he's 20, 23, I think, 22, 22. And uh, he's got two and a half years of pro ball, less than 300 games played of pro ball at any level. Yeah, yeah. The kid was playing at, at Haggerty High School in Oviedo, Florida, four years ago yeah. in, in 2019. Yeah. So, I mean, we all got to remember that. I mean, this is a really gifted kid, really athletic. And uh, and Wash said he thinks Shoemaker and Grissom are the future. He goes, I'm not saying one of them's going to have the shortstop job, but they could for sure. And wherever they play, he thinks they're going to be good players, both of them. But he really likes what Grissom's the progress he's made, even if it doesn't show up maybe right now in these last few games at shortstop. Uh, but he just noted that, you know, the kid's developing. He's trying to learn, and he can't do that on some teams. Like we've talked about this before, like pitchers that get, go back and forth. You On a bad team, you get you can keep going out there and struggling and learning, but you can't do that on a first-place team that's trying to hold off the Mets and the Phillies. Yeah, and it's so hard looking over your shoulder, knowing that axe is coming – you know, I mean, it's that's what that's probably the best part about, you know, development wise, when you're on a team that's doing the rebuild thing is you make that error. You're not thinking I'm getting sent down tomorrow. Yeah. You're not even answering questions about it after the game, you know, because even the media understands we need this guy. The team needs this guy good in two years. Yeah. But when we need you good tonight and you make an error and it, your team loses by one run and that run scored, you're the first guy answering questions after the game. And it all all these things just reinforce that you mess something up, and then the next ground ball to you, you're you're sitting there, and it's like you just lose that you lose that natural movement. You know, you're tense yeah. and you're trying not to mess it up, and all of a sudden you do it again, and the pressure just builds and builds. Um, in his position, I think a lot of reps at AAA will help, and if he boots a ball, it's not a big deal down there. Yeah, you know, it's it's none and run for your pitcher. You're trying to win down there. You're trying to teach guys how to win, but you know you're not answering questions after the game. And and the Mets picked up a game today because you booted a ball. Yeah, nobody remembers that Chipper Jones had like 50 errors at Macon one year. You know, right? Nobody cares. Nobody cares because it doesn't matter. You know. Yeah. Um, and Derek Jeter, same thing. Had terrible years in the minors defensively. Guys develop down there, man. You got to make, make your mistakes down there. And when you're thrust into a position like Grissom's in, there's very few guys that can do it without. It's like Wash pointed out. Uh, Wash said, because we're talking about Arcia coming back in there, and people that thought Grissom was going to supplant Arcia or Shoemaker said, come on, man. Arcia played great before he got hurt. Yeah. It's, and uh, and uh, Wash said, well, number one, Arcia got the job out of spring training, and he did a hell of a job for us to start the year. Shoemaker and Grissom, I look at them as the future, Wash said. It's hard sometimes to let kids grow and understand all the nuances of playing a position when you don't have time to let them grow. 
For instance, yeah. the kid in Houston, he's talking about Pena last year at short that replaced Correa. People forget, man, he wasn't good at the start of the year. He was struggling. They wondered if he could do it. He was great in the postseason, so people forget that his numbers in the regular season weren't that great. Yep. Um, he was hitting low 200s for a long time with the OPS just over 700. But he said that kid in Houston, he wasn't the superstar he ended up being in the beginning. They weren't sure he was going to be able to do it, but they had no choice. So he got a chance to get that experience. Shoemaker only had a game, but Grizz has had a chance to gain some experience, and I think it's experience he can take with him, and it's going to help him down the line. But having Arcia back is huge. The Astros didn't have a choice. The Braves do. They got yeah. Arcia. Yeah. So, but he said uh, he was talking about. I asked him about playing in front of forty thousand people and team in first place and all that, and he said I think that part of it is how you control your emotions, and sometimes. That's where youth shows up. You see what I'm saying? R.C. had been out there for eight years, manning shortstop in yeah. Milwaukee. So he knows what he's doing. And since they come back to almost normal baseball, he's talking about the shifts. He said his athletic ability shows up. You can see he's an athlete. And now he can roam and be a stallion. We're very happy to have him back. And I hadn't even thought about that. How the, this shift thing. Sh- the shiftless yeah. defense is making it even harder for a guy like Grissom, you know, to because yep. you can't hide it, man. You got range covers. matters so yep. much more, and it's and it's making guys like Arcia stand out more than they did last year. You yep. know, when you're having to show range now and show that arm strength, the real athletes are coming to the fore now, and some other guys are being exposed. And I haven't really thought about that that much this year, but it's but it's true. I heard that maybe a week or two ago, and I've been looking at it a lot different since, and just. You know, just giving credit to the shortstops that you do have a lot more range to cover. You know, it's it's one thing when you're playing up the middle and yeah. you got a third baseman to your left and a second baseman to your right, and you're giving them that third base line. But when that second baseman can only come to the right side of that bag, or you can only go, you know, you just got so much more ground to cover, and that just puts more pressure. And those are harder plays to make. You know, the yeah. farther you have to move, the the cleaner your footwork has to be, and the better position you got to put yourself in. Arcia made a play yesterday that reminded me a lot of Dansby. He filled it, and it was critical. It was late. It was in the extra innings. He fills the ball up by second base, and instead of throwing the first for the easy out, he throws the third for that out, which could have been ended up being a huge play. Um, and I and I asked Snit about it. I said that kind of reminded me of the plays Dansby made, and he said, "Yeah, the difference was Dansby was usually going that way, and then did the yeah. ballsy move of throwing the third. Arcia mm-hmm. was going towards second. Stopped, yeah. and he said that was all arm strength. Yeah, and and Riley had to make a great catch, scramble to make the tag. Because I mean, the yeah. throw was a little off, but it was in a, 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 an almost. It's hardly very. There's very few shortstops that can make that throw that have the arm strength to make that throw from second base, off balance, two third, and get a fast runner that was trying to advance. And every time it's like a fly ball to center field. The next guy would have been like those play yep. save runs. Yeah, they're big, and those are confidence plays too. You know, I mean you. You could do it in, in batting practice all you want and have the arm strength, but having the balls to execute it, it takes a lot of confidence and, and just reps, you know, under pressure. That's exactly what Snit said. He said, I'm just glad. That, he goes, that was a high-risk high yeah. uh, play, high-reward play. And he said, I'm just glad that he has the confidence to do it. Yeah. You know, because you got to have some confidence to, to, to say, I'm going to do this and look bad if I don't make this play because they're yeah. going to have runners on the corners. But that just tells you how comfortable he is in the position. He can just rely on his instincts and play a game. And first game back, when you're when you're in that opposite position to Grissom, like what's the if he throws yeah. that ball away, 
Yeah. You know, the, the, <laughs> he's getting booed. Yes. This is, this is the guy's first game back and played in a month. Yeah. He makes that play. So it was a reminder of how, of what they've got, you know, and how critical it is. Cause you talked about shortstop when Dansby was going to leave, how, how you were kind of concerned because it's uh, people think you can just plug a guy in there. You can't, man. And they're lucky they got Arcia. They knew yeah. what they had, and Arcia has surpassed most of our expectations. I didn't know what they had until he's, he's been he didn't play shortstop it. a lot last year, right? You know, so I didn't really. I mean, you know, a guy when they're with another team, but I feel like to really appreciate a fielder, you got to see plays like that, right? Now, that's not making any highlights, but right. that's a highlight real play as far as anybody's concerned and, and what it meant for the game. And when you get a chance to watch a guy through a full season, that's when you really can appreciate. Uh, what they're bringing to the table defensively, and especially without the shift. Yeah. I mean, we're the, the shortstops, the really good athletic shortstops with the instincts and the arm strength. They're showing up now, man. Yeah, they're, they're making the plays like Simba used to make routinely every night. You know, showing that <laughs> huge range. That's why the that's what I that's what I hated about the shift. It took away a lot of those plays that we used to see Simba make, and that we used to see second baseman make. Now we're seeing them make those plays. Where they have to, like, because even a second baseman have to range to their left instead of a ball just going to the the extra infielder playing in shallow right field. Now, second baseman's got to range over there, make that. They got to lay out for it, get up, spin, and throw. Those are cool plays. Um, The play that did make the highlight real yesterday Ronald Acuna's catch and throw from outfield again in extra innings. Huge play. Ends up being a huge play. Saved a run. Ends up being the difference. Could have been the difference in the game. Um, I think it would have gone up two. He he makes a catch, and this is a play he doesn't make in a past because in a past I think he relied more on his sheer considerable athleticism, and he really didn't have all the all the experience to know exactly how to catch that ball to put himself right. in position. So sometimes he caught it kind of flat-footed or stationary and then tried to make that throw to third, which he could do sometimes. But yesterday he absolutely played it perfect. There was a ball that was about three-quarters of the way in the outfield, little past medium range, and he went back on it and then t- it came and caught it on the fly, perfect, and positioned perfectly to take a couple of steps, crow hop, throws to the third, throws a bullet, one hopper, a perfect throw. And cuts so, down a, his pass, arm's so a accurate. fast runner, a fast runner. Yeah. I, I don't know why anybody would challenge him. <laughs> That's what Harry circumstance. Why would you give him a ch- – he, he, he throws that throw for fun. Like, yeah. If he knows you're not going, he might just show it off. But – that's what's been most impressive watching him throw for me is it, almost all his throws are right on line. Really has been accurate this year, man, with the throws. Yeah. I mean, the throw, you know, he throws in mid to upper 90s and he th- and he's right on the money. Yesterday, that was a one hopper that was right on the money. Did they do do they show or is there a way to look up how hard he threw that ball? Yeah, and that one it usually it usually cuz uh, we went to look for it. Bo looked tried to look it up and yes, for some reason that one didn't register correctly, so they threw it out. It was like 83 when we knew it was like 95, 98, yeah. so they just tossed it out. But, yeah, that's how they the StatCast measures all this stuff is they can measure every one of those throws. So, Because he has thrown up to 100 from the outfield for, on those throws like that. Crazy. It's crazy because when a pitcher throws 100 and that's their craft and they work on it every day and they have all these reps, but if you watch position players play catch, yeah. they just play father-son catch. You know, they might get out and, and throw to bases during BP, but just that he has 100 on tap, that's just yeah. what he's born with, you know, without – I'm not saying he doesn't work on it, but he's not working on building throwing velocity from the outfield. He's just doing it, you know. I mean, he's going through his workout. Yeah. He's 
he's throwing to the bases that his he can just crow hop and throw a hundred like that's insane. Well, like that throw he made. Remember last year you you were talking about from one foul territory into the stands on the other. That was stupid. <laughs> At Baltimore, I think it was. I it was in it was in uh, Arizona, and he threw Arizona. it from the he threw it from the first base line over the left field wall without a crow hop. I mean, and he just yeah. flicked his wrist. I couldn't do that on my best day with with a full crow hop and the wind blowing out. The third base coach, when he threw him out yesterday, third base coach was down on one knee telling the guy to go down. And the look on his face when it got there, he was just like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> but uh, Snit said, the majority of guys are going to go on that, talking about runners. He goes, but I saw him circling. Yeah. I saw him circling that thing, getting that head of steam coming in. Those guys are dangerous, talking about Snit, or talking about uh, Acuna. Those guys are dangerous when they smell that, those type of players. I know when I was a third base coach, those are the guys looking for those opportunities, and he did oh. everything right. Acuna, man, huge, yeah. huge plays. He said he's a weapon in right field. Harris, from the time it went up, Harris is watching. Smart, helped being a good teammate, was watching and was telling, yelling to Acuna, he's tagging, he's tagging, he's tagging the whole time. So Acuna knew that's why he was getting in position. And Harris said I was telling him he was tagging. But I'm hit, in my head, I was like, I don't even know why he's tagging. I mean, this guy's the most accurate. He throws 100 from the outfield, so I don't know even know why you would test him. So he said, he, he, Harris Talmadakun, he said, he's a great player. You see what he does every day. That kind, that kind of held us there to give us a chance to win. Oh, it's such a huge play. I mean, when you get that free runner, and he just erased it. Changes hey, uh, the game. Speaking of Acuna, um, MLB – Network had a couple of great stats today that I stole from them. Uh, Acuna has the third highest, this is important too, drop in strikeout rate from last year to this year. Third highest of any player in the majors. From 23.7% last year to 14.4% this year. That's pretty huge, man. Yeah. Only guys with a higher drop, Glaber Torres and Cabrian Hayes. Cody Bellinger is right behind him. And you see the year he's having, another comeback player of the year candidate. Kind of like Acuna. Well, we talked about um, what it does to, to hit in a hitter's park, right? I mean, yeah. just how many guys you see switch to a hitter's park when they've been in a in a pitcher's park, and all of a sudden they they can swing easier, and the ball goes out, and how much that affects their average and their confidence, and you know, in, in baseball, it's like the less you try, usually the better you are. And yeah. I just – I imagine last year Acuna would get balls, because, but that knee wasn't healthy and he couldn't get his hip through like he's used to. Mm-hmm. He'd hit balls that he's like, fuck, you know, I thought I got that. So now you're swinging harder and harder and you're starting earlier and you're, and you're trying to manufacture power. This year he's just sitting on it. So he can probably just wait on that pitch and feel like he can just flick the ball out to any part of the park. And when you don't have to try, when you don't have to tense up and, and swing bigger to try to generate that power – yeah. You can almost have a contact hitter approach with his power. It's going to go out if he just barrels it. And he wasn't making plays like that in the outfield last year. No. Because of the knee. He didn't have the confidence to run and plant like that and throw. It just it, it affected everything. Yeah, and you could see it. I mean, it's so much fun watching him at 100%. I had a, uh, I had a stat. Did, was, that, was that Cam doing some work there? Did you move that in there, Cam? Yeah, first time ever I'm doing work. Thanks, man. I appreciate (laughs) it. The other stat that I stole from them was, and it's on the screen now, Cam, this is a great stat, man, because this we've talked about 
Acuna being one of the only legit five-tool players in the game today. The five-tool players being, there used to be guys like Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente. Those are five-tool players. There aren't that many in the game today. You could argue that Mike Trout today is not a five-tool player because he doesn't have a fifth tool. The arm is not plus arm. I know that's stupid to say Mike Trout is not a five-tool player because the other four tools are off the charts, you know? They equal six, yeah. Right, right, exactly. So it's really hard, though, to have a five-tool player. Uh, Soto's not a five-tool player because he's not a five – the the, uh, defense is not plus, you know? I don't know if the arm is, but the glove certainly isn't. So anyway, my point is – a guy like a Tatis is a five-tool player, but the epitome of the five-tool player right now is Ronald Acuna. Oh, yeah. He is the five-tool player if you look it up, man. That guy is what it is. Uh, and and look at the three of the tools right here. He is one of only three players in the majors this year to rank in the top 80 percentile, 80th percentile or higher, in average exit velocity, sprint speed, and arm strength. So... Exit velocity is not really one of the five tools, but it would be one of the modern five tools, I guess. Plus power. Say. I mean, right. it, it doesn't power. equal home runs because it's you power. still got you to backspin it. But. but that's power. You're right. Yeah. So, but to rank in there and look at the guys that are up there too. Matt Chapman, exit velo is 100, which 100%, which I didn't realize. That's first place, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or tied. Uh, arm strength, 82nd. And sprint speed 80th. I didn't realize he leads he the, fast, the majors yeah. in doubles right now and let, had six triples one year, but he doesn't steal bases. So you don't think of him as big fast, but yeah, he's obviously fast. And then Marsh is another guy. He's in the 80s in all three of them. But Acuna is the only guy on there that's in the 90th on two. two of them. And he's yeah. 97th and 100. Yeah. And the one maybe you thought he would be up there, he's not. He's 81st percentile in sprint speed. But you know what? I bet by the end of the year, he's more closer to 90 in that because he's just building up to that still. I'm wondering where Otani is because he throws 100 miles an hour off the mound. He's fast. You would have thought he'd and, be up there, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I don't know if he – he might not qualify because he doesn't play the field. So they're it looking might, at – might doesn't, Maybe doesn't have enough exit to to count? No, he's got the most exit up. I mean, at least up there. Number of attempts. I think it's because yeah. he doesn't play the field, so his arm strength doesn't, doesn't have enough arm. Yeah, doesn't register. have enough throws. You're right because he DH but take those lot. throws from the mouth. Yeah, but yeah, obviously, Tony would kind of be the quintessential five tool player, but he's kind of a different animal altogether. I mean, I'm not even. He's like him. an eight tool player. Yeah, he is, <laughs> but he's a freak. Um, but anyway, yeah, I thought that was a really good stat that uh, MLB Network had, and it's, it just shows you what uh, again we're seeing what Acuna can do, man, and it's uh, it's fun to watch every night. I mean, every night he's doing two or three things that you you go you appreciate again that he's back healthy, and you just want him to stay healthy because I really think he's going to finish top three in MVP this year and has a good chance to win it if he just keeps doing what he's doing. I think the home runs are going to come. He's going to hit more. I mean, he's hitting plenty, but I think he's going to get on a higher What's rate. What's he on pace for right now? About, uh, what, he's got five or six, and we're, what, one-fifth of the season through? So he's close to 30, 25 to 30, and he's on pace really for like 35. 70, 75 stolen bases. I think Clean those two will come kind of even out a little bit. Yeah. But I think he'll also go on one of those tears where he might have like a 16-homer month. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or 10, yeah. Yeah, he's can do it at any time. Can do anything he wants on a baseball field, basically. What I'd pay to just jump in his body for a day and just have to control it. You know, with the remote. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Uh, before we move on from uh, from the weekend, man, we were waiting, and the Braves have obviously been waiting, and a lot of their fans gave up waiting a long time ago. But we are finally seeing something from Marcelo Zuna. I know it's a small sample size, but he has been an entirely different hitter in May, beginning with yeah. that series in Miami. And – you know, a lot of people were like, yeah, it's Miami. He always hits well there, though. But he had a good series here, too. And now he's starting to hit the ball hard uh, and finding some holes and getting some over the wall. And so, I mean, the, the depth that he – what the extra depth that he can give you, especially now getting Darno back, too, you gotta you got to have somebody dangerous in that DH role if he keeps doing this all the time. Um, 18 games in April, he was horrible. 085 average, 194, 0- OBP, 203 slugging, 397 OPS in 67 plate appearances. He was about as bad as any major league hitter in baseball uh, in, in the month of April. Two homers, they are two RBIs, 18 games. Six May games, he said 304, 429 OBP, 826 slugging percentage, 1255 OPS. It's only 28 plate appearances, but he's got four homers and seven RBIs in six games. Yeah, I mean, he, for me, watching him, he's always been kind of streaky. You know, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in the swing. Yeah. And then anytime you start off a season with your slump, it's it's amplified, you know, a hundredfold. Where if you, you, if you look back through the season, there's going to be plenty of guys in the Braves that go have a bad month. But when it's to start the season and you've got, you know, the track record of struggling last year that he did, right. it's always amplified so much. But the Braves obviously saw something – they liked, you know, the whole time. I guess he hit the ball pretty well in spring. I didn't watch much. Yeah, he but, did. You know, I, I always look at it like, man, it's just unfortunate when you start a season off bad because that's all you have on the scoreboard and the only, you know, example anybody has of how you're playing or, or swinging or throwing the ball. Um, for, the, for the Marcel haters out there, and there are a lot of them, um, and I know why, but you got you to gotta get past that because this is all good for the Braves. I mean, because either if you want to trade him this is what he's got to do. He's got to do this for a little bo- a little while, and their hope would be, I'm sure, without they've not said it, but this is their hope, is that he keeps doing this for a while, and some team has an injury. Yep. All of a sudden, they're like, okay, who's available? Oh, he's available. If they can get another team just to bite on $5 million of what they owe him, that's a lot better than nothing, you know? So, and... At, I mean, and if you can't do that, you've at least got some more depth at DH... If somebody goes down again, all right, so this is all good for the Braves. I mean, they're paying them that money. Yeah. They've obviously shown that they're not willing to eat all that money. 
on as much as some people want them to. They're not going to do it. Not yet. I wouldn't think that's going to happen until the offseason. Uh, well, there's such a fine line between well, we don't want to give him up swinging like this either. Right. He goes somewhere else, and they're paying him <laughs> to go play for another team. Yeah. Imagine if they'd, if they'd given up on him two weeks ago, and he's doing what he's doing right now yep. for another team. Then you just got egg on your face, man. And you yeah. can't say you did it out of principle because you kept you held on to him, like we've talked about this before. You held on to him after the domestic violence arrest, after the DUI. You held on to him. Yeah. So if you get rid of him now, it looks like you're just doing it because of performance. So then if he goes somewhere else. And performs. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you look like an idiot, you know, because you, you held on to him with all the bad, sur- the sully shit, you know. And, and, and so anyway. It's this is what they had hoped would happen, and it's happening right now. So, at this point, I don't think you know nobody's beyond reproach as far as questioning their decisions. But goddamn, Alex is getting pretty close, man. Because this dude makes he makes I, I don't a, question. This guy can make some moves that are just like wow. I mean, picking up guys like Tonkin, Hilliard, uh, just you go through the some of the guys he picks up in the offseason that end up having big roles. Uh, Pilar, you know. Mm-hmm. He gets Pilar for they're paying him three million. He's already earned his three million with that walk off hit. He had another big hit earlier. He had a couple of big catches. I mean, and he's a big, great influence in the clubhouse. He's accepted that role. Perfect guy to have in a four as a fourth or fifth outfielder. Perfect. Yeah, and I, I think that the I mean it's it's easier to make good moves when you're bringing players into this environment. You know, right. and that's you know Alex is responsible for that too, obviously. But right. he's put so much into the coaching, the players he picks up, everything he's doing, that this is an atmosphere that most guys are going to get better in. So every move is going to look good, you know, for the most part. And Pilar said that just the other night. He said, being around these guys has made me a better player. Yeah. And those guys are, are, are they want to stay. So the, the guys that have those opt-outs and everything, they're at the end of camp instead of being like, oh, man, I hope they, I, I want to get the hell out of here. They all want to stay. Yeah. So then when they're including on that opening day roster, they want to stay. Yep. Instead of going somewhere else where they might get more playing time, and Pilar knew he could, he might have a better chance of getting to the big leagues somewhere else. But he, you know, wanted to be here, so yeah. and he's getting to play. Got a couple of guys go down. You never want somebody else to go down, like he said, you know, with Michael Harris. But he gave him a chance to play, and he's making the most of it. So he's into he could end up being a really big piece for this team, man. Having a guy like that as a pinch hitter, you know, you had Sandoval did that member for that crazy month that he had, <laughs> yeah. Pilar looks like it gets a lot more sustainable, you know. And man, well, he keeps himself. He was ready. a hell of a player, you know, for most of his career already. Keeps himself in great shape, by the way. He's always yeah. ready to go in. Yeah, he's a perfect guy to have in that role, man. At the end of his career, he said he talked to Alex in the offseason about what he wanted out of the last couple of years of his career. And Alex knew him from LA. He was over there briefly, didn't get to play hardly at all last year over there. And uh and and he told, you know. He told Alex that he's ready to embrace this role now. He wasn't really before, and he has been. So if a guy's ready for that, if he's not ready for that, it's kind of hard. Well, it takes a few years to accept it. Yeah, I mean, because you're always trying to get back to, especially when you've tasted being a regular. You know, it takes a few years to finally see the writing on the wall. All right, I'm older. You know, I don't have the same speed or whatever, you know, feel on my fastball, whatever it is you've kind of lost and, and accept that. Everybody else gets to shine and they get the headlines now, but I can stay in the league and enjoy it and try to win a World Series if I take, you know, take this smaller role. But it, it's it seems like common sense, but you'd be shocked how many guys yeah. wind up out of the game because they can't accept where they are as a player now. And they won't do what it takes to to uh thrive in that pinch hit play every three days role. 
Well, it's exhausting because yeah. you're you're staying ready for nothing. You know, yeah. as, as a pinch hitter, for m- most games you're still doing all this prep as if you were a regular, and then fourth inning comes around, you start your routine that you're going to have a little sweat going when you if you get to pinch hit. Most of the time, the call doesn't come. Yeah, and then yeah. when it does, if you're like you, guys get caught sleeping. Yeah, I'm probably not going to pinch hit today, and then you get called up to pinch hit, and you're your head's just not fully in it. You haven't you haven't researched who you who you're going to face. You're not you know mentally there. You go up and have a shitty at bat. Now we'll know next time you're not going to get to pinch hit. We're going to try somebody else. And then two weeks go by, you haven't seen the you, you haven't seen any action, and that's where guys just fall apart in those roles. And that's what Snit praised him, lavishes praise on him and other guys like him, like Sandoval was that year, because they're ready. When yeah. he didn't have to worry about looking down and see him down there without their, you know, they're still in their sweatshirt. They don't have their cleats on, whatever. They don't have their stuff ready. He Bad said, hand. Yeah, he said, on. <laughs> right. He said yeah. that DePilar is ready all the time. He looks down there. Pilar's making eye contact with Walt Weiss throughout the game. He said, and, and Pilar praised Walt Weiss for talking to him before games, letting him know this is probably where we're going to use you. This guy, yeah. he said, they talk it all over. So he's making eye contact with Weiss, like, I'm ready. Weiss looks down at him, Snit looks at him, he's ready. So it's not like, okay, get ready, scrambling and all that. So he gets his stuff, he's ready, he's got his gloves, takes his sweatshirt off. Snit said he looked down there because earlier in the game, he thought he was going to get in with a lefty in there, and uh, it didn't happen. But when it happened again, he was ready again the second time. So that's the critical part. So those guys being ready rather than just scrambling, running out in the on-deck circle and just having a shitty at bat. Well, and that tells you, you know, when you look down, they got their shin guard on, batting helmet, they're holding on to a a bat already, and they're just sitting there – you know, I hope you put me in. Yeah. It tells you that they're prepared. You know, I like for the in in the bullpen, it's a little different because you can normally tell somebody gives you time to warm up. Right. It's a lot more scripted for you. The phone rings and everything. But when you're pinch right. hitting, it's probably inning off and it might right. not happen. The thing that would mess relievers up is when the closer blows a game and everybody's gone to sleep. If you ever watch when <laughs> yeah. when the closer blows a game, yeah, usually the pen sucks after that yeah. because guys started to put their feet up and shut down mentally. And if you, it, it's crazy to explain, but it's so hard to flip that switch and turn it back on mentally. I bet to, man. it's really hard because you, you're always waiting for that day where you get to put your feet up. The closer comes in, you're up three nothing. He's saved fifteen in a row. You know, you kind of go to sleep down there, and then they have their bad game and blow it, and you're throwing the top of the tenth. And five minutes ago, you're thinking about what you're eating for dinner tonight. Yeah. So yeah. pinch hitters, it's the same mindset. When they don't think they're going to pinch hit or they're just kind of, yeah, I'll just wing it, they go up there and they just get their doors blown off. But you watch the pros, like at Eric Kinski, yeah. they're ready. They're, I mean, they have the same routine every day. If the call comes, the call comes. If it doesn't, then they're happy the team won. And championship teams, man, have a guy like that. They have they have, a, they have somebody that's ready off the bench. You can't just scramble and, and – have guys that have never done that role before. I don't know how many World Series Johnny Gomes went to or won. Yeah. But that, I mean, guys that embrace that role, you can extend your career by quite a bit. And young guys usually aren't good in the role for a reason, man. They haven't been around and learned how to do that and talk to guys and learned how to do it and accepted it. Accepting it, yeah. And and especially, I think it's a lot harder to accept when you're young. Yeah. And you have these dreams of being a regular and everything. When, When you're old and you realize, like, this is my only way to stay in the game. Right. It's pretty easy to accept and just, you know, take what you get. Um, before we before we wrap it up, Freed had a most kind of uncharacteristic night on Friday. I mean, he's been so good in his since coming off the IL. Uh ERA went from 0.45, which is absurd, to 2.08 in one game. He had his 20 inning scoreless streak snapped. 
with an unearned run in the third inning. This is Friday against Baltimore. That was after his own two-base throwing error, which is also very unlike Freed because he's won three straight gold gloves. He went on to allow the most earned runs, five, since he gave up five uh, against the Reds a year ago in April, and the seven total runs he allowed, some of those scored after he left the game, but with the most he'd been charged when since he gave up eight in April 2021. Wow. He had two errors in the game for the first time. Dude, he's never had more than one error in an entire season except 2019 when he had three. And he had two errors in one game Friday. Yeah, I mean, you don't get a lot of opportunities to make errors as a pitcher either. No. The bad thing is he gets no. to so many balls. I had one career error because I didn't get to shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, he has so much range. He's going to make those tough plays. And they were both on those kind of plays. He said, uh, this one's going to sit with me. And, man, he's so accountable all the time. He said, this one's going to sit with me for a lo- for a little bit. Just an extremely sloppy game on my part. I wasn't able to really command my fastball to the glove side as well as I wanted to, which is something that's normally like my bread and butter. And I also obviously fielding two errors is unacceptable. We take the lead. I give up the lead and then also give up the homer on top of it. Put us in a hole real quick. Lost any momentum that we had. Just not a way to win a game. Uh, And he said, I'm not going to forget what happened tonight. I need to make sure what happened tonight doesn't happen again. Yeah, and I think you saw that the same concept I'm talking about is when your ace is cruising. You know, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to not really be into the game mentally as a you know fifth or sixth reliever. You know, in that type of game, you don't think you're coming in. Ace is cruising. All of a sudden, him and as get ready hot. Come in and you know he winds up. I think all three runs scored on the homer, and then you give up two more. That's just the type of stuff that you see when. Something unpredictable happens, but it's just that's that point's just to give more credit to the guys that can do those roles and be ready at all times when they might not get in the game. Um, we had a uh, last thing we had a we had one of those pretty cool call up stories. Braden Shoemake, who's had who's been close a couple of times, he probably would have got the call up a year ago when Grissom got it because it was Shoemake that was playing shortstop in Triple A. Grissom was down at playing uh, second base down in Double A. Got the call up when. Uh, when Ozzy got hurt and Schumacher had just uh, blown, uh, partially torn to PCL like three days before Ozzy, before Arcia got hurt. Arcia was, was subbing for Ozzy. So we had two second right. basemen go down. So Schumacher might've got the call up then. And then this spring he comes out of kind of nowhere. And cause it was supposed to be between Grissom and Arcia and Schumacher had a great spring going. He's playing good, great defense. He's better defensively than Grissom is right now. Uh, and he was hitting because that's the only question about Shoemaker is the hit tool. And he was hitting, you know, 400 for part of spring. So he, it looked like him and Grissom were going to go for that uh, right down to the wire. And then the Braves decided, no, we're going with the experienced guy, which in hindsight, in retrospect, was a great decision to go with Arcia. But again, Shoemaker didn't get a chance to make his debut. So finally, and then when Grissom gets called up again, when Arcia gets hurt, because at the time, when Arcia got hurt a month ago, Grissom was hitting like 400 with 1,000 OPS, and Shoemaker got off to a bad start at AAA, so he was like OPS in half of what Grissom was, so it was kind of a no-brainer again. So that was the third time. So finally, after Grissom struggles and made some errors, they called up Shoemaker on Friday, and they were going to platoon those two until Arcia got back. They decided to skip the rehab assignment altogether. But Shoemaker got called up on Friday, and as the Braves usually do, as Snit loves yeah. to do and Bobby Cox did, they stick him in the lineup right away. 
and uh, made some good plays. Showed showed the defense didn't didn't wasn't too nervous or anything. Made some good plays. Didn't get a hit, but was fine. Uh, uh, and then then that that platoon thing went out the door though when uh, RC got brought up. But but Grissom got optioned and Shoemaker's still here. So at least he's getting his cup of coffee for now until uh, until uh, Adrianza comes off the IL, which might be a week, might be two weeks. But for now, he's up here, so and he's going to get to play probably a little bit. We'll see. But it was just good to see him. Shoemaker's, Shoemaker's, uh, he's a little older prospect, 24-25. He's not, he was a first-rounder, and he's had some injuries and all that. And uh, a guy that thought he was going to be a utility guy when he was drafted, and a lot of people thought he might be a multi-position guy, has been mainly just a shortstop. But he's fully prepared. If they want him to play other positions, he'll, he's gladly doing it. He's played a lot of second base this year because they want him to get more experience there. But he could also move over to third, and I think eventually they're going to try him in the outfield too, just like they might Grissom. But uh, it's just good to see him get the call up and get a chance to get in there. His dad is a coach down in Dallas at UT Dallas Division Three, I think it is, and they were starting their conference tournament. They've won two conference tournaments in a row, and they had played the first game on a Friday. His dad got the call Saturday morning. Braden called his dad and said, "I got called up. I'm going tonight to play." And him, his mom and dad immediately. His dad told the assistant coach, you got it, man. I'm out of here. Him and his dad, his his mom and dad caught a flight up here, and they were here for his debut. Oh, there's nothing you could do to make me if one of my sons made it to the majors. I mean, sorry, boys. Good luck in the tournament. But, yeah. I mean, you've been you've raised that kid, worked with him probably for – Yeah, he's been his hitting coach. Thousands of hours, and you get a chance to see it all come to fruition. Your son's making his major league debut. I don't care what's going on. You're not missing that. And Braden and his wife, Emily, they have a 10-and-a-half-month-old kid, their first kid. He's got an apartment in Gwinnett, you know, and mm-hmm. they were – But he said, I was about to change a diaper Saturday morning. And <laughs> Sostanovich, the farm director, called and put uh, Tui Asasopo on the phone, told him, you're going to Atlanta tonight. So, I mean, it was like – that's pretty cool because he got to share the moment with his wife. Not a lot of guys get to do that. Usually they get the call. They might be in a hotel, midnight on the road, a player yeah. gets hurt, you're going up tomorrow. So he's at his apartment with his wife, and they got their ten-month-old kid. So that had to make that moment even cooler than it could ever be. Yeah, you almost always find out at the park, or yeah, yeah, you're on a hotel, or you're you know traveling in AAA. Uh, I, yeah, you get that phone call, and you don't have any clue what it's about, you know. And then all of a sudden, you're going to the big leagues. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool to share with with people close to you. Yeah. So good for him, man. Hopefully he gets another opportunity or two to play a couple games. It's not it's it's hard to get him in there if somebody's not hurt, though, because Ozzy plays every day, Riley plays every day. Uh, and even if Riley's been slumping lately, he's still not they're not gonna, you know. If they give him a day off, they might move him over there. But Schumach hasn't played trip uh tri- uh third base in a game. So Ozzy uh Grissom had played at some games, uh not lately, but he's played some third there. Schumach hasn't, so uh right now, right now they would move uh They'd move, you move RC over to third base. RC was playing third base in Milwaukee before the trade. Yeah. So you're covered right now. You were kind of you you weren't really covered for like one day until they brought RC back. You didn't really have a guy with experience over there other than Grissom. And yeah. uh, and you go back. Rosario played actually played a couple of games at third base, but that was a while ago. Yeah. You could have plugged him in there, but it's like really. I asked Snit about it before the game, the day that they brought up uh, uh, RC. Uh, or the day they brought up Shoemaker, I said, who's your third baseman, your backup third baseman right now? Has has Shoemaker Grissom played there? And he goes, I don't really know to tell you the truth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were they weren't really don't covered. bring it up. We're hoping it doesn't exactly. happen. Exactly. So, but now you would you do have a guy there, you'd easily just move RC over there. He's handled with third base, but 
Hopefully, Shoemaker will get some playing time for you. Uh, but just a great experience for him. It's a guy that I think is going to have a role here in the future, whether it's utility or not. I think you you would definitely – for me, there's so much value in getting a look on how the guy handles the bright lights. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why I'm not big on prospects because I want to see what they do when the pressure's on and there's 40,000 in the seats. Um, but, yeah, I would try to try to find a way. You know, it's tough because they got these two off days, but to yeah. give somebody a rest or something. But, yeah, we'll see how long it takes uh, Adrianza to come back. Yeah, Riley's struggling. I mean, you could give him a day off, but, yeah, you got these two off days. And usually they let Riley just hit his way out of it too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he handled I tell you what, he looked good defensively, you know, under the bright lights. So a lot of crowds Saturday night, you know, 40,000, 41,000 people there. Yeah, he was a nice place. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he can play some defense, man. There's no doubt. So, all right, that's it. 755 is real. We'll talk again on uh, – we'll talk to you guys again on Friday – Maybe on the or Thursday on the off day or Friday before the game at Toronto. So a couple of games against the Red Sox. Red Sox are playing a lot better right now. A lot better. So that'll yeah. be interesting. In a See what happens division. with Freed. See what happens with Freed, man. But I don't think Freed's hurt. I mean, I I, I just thought saw no signs of that. So we'll see. It's, I don't know. That was kind of an odd one. That was, a, that was a weird situation the way Snit addressed that when we asked him. So anyway. All right, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for watching us and listening to us and all that. 755 is real. We are out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.